Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! on everybody welcome to another post game live here at the 2023 nba playoffs for this one the series we've all been waiting for as we are live from los angeles california here on time dropper before we get started you already know the drill make sure to subscribe on the youtube channel for all la sports and la basketball content hit the notification bell so you know every single time i go live and of course follow your boy on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. Or Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. Wow, what a game. The Lakers and the Warriors. The Lakers getting the game one win, stealing home court advantage in what was a pretty neck and neck game the entire way. In my opinion, it felt like the Lakers deserved to win the game. The Dubs made a little push at the end. But the Lakers brought it home even when the crowd got going. I'm going to give a shout out to everybody in the live tonight. Obviously, I already know what kind of night this is going to be. Lakers win. Big time game. Going to be a lot of people in the video. So everybody, thank you for the support. Super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, any donation counts. Anything helps your boy. Laker fans, I know you're feeling real good. Warriors fans, this is also a safe space. No bias here, no narratives. I'm just going to tell you how I saw it. And it was an amazing, amazing game that we saw tonight. Game one in the second round. I'll also be talking about the Heat and the Knicks after game two. But 117 to 112 is the final for the Lakers. They win it in the Chase Center. Now, to start off the game, you obviously saw... Draymond Green remained in the starting lineup. We saw him start in Game 7 for Golden State. They wanted to add that defense back in there. Now, you saw him guarding Jared Vanderbilt and Steph Curry starting out on D'Angelo Russell. On the Lakers side of things, you saw LeBron guarding Andrew Wiggins, Jared Vanderbilt on Steph Curry, Austin Reeves on Klay Thompson, and then, um, what's his name? On Looney. Uh, was it AD on Looney? Yeah. Draymond, also, you also saw LeBron on Draymond a lot. And the Lakers were not giving certain shooters any respect, and rightfully so. Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, Gary Payton, Dante DiVincenzo. Some of those aren't even shooters, I should say. I should have said players. They were giving them no respect. And this was hurting the Warrior offense. However, you started to see it more and more as the game went on because Klay Thompson... Got the Warriors off to a good start with a couple of shots coming off screens. And look, Austin Reeves, he was trying really hard. And I think he put in a great effort defensively tonight. But at times, Klay Thompson, he just has really, really solid size at that shooting guard position. Six foot seven, is able to rise over the top. And he was hot in the first quarter. I think he had 10 points in the first quarter. And they were up 14 to seven. But I believe that would be the largest lead the Warriors would have 
all game long. Let me check. They had an eight-point lead at one point. Anthony Davis had 14 points in the first quarter, and he was doing it in a number of ways. Catching the ball, a lot of times just catching the ball on the elbow in the mid-range area on the left side of the court, and the Lakers would just clear it out. Also, on the pick and roll, the Lakers attacked Steph a little bit, but a lot of times what they tried to do was put Looney in that pick and roll and drop coverage. And AD, really good at those push shots. Obviously, he's a lob threat. He's a putback threat. And Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell have shown a really good ability to hit those shots in the in-between game. LeBron, I really like the approach he's taken to be more off the ball. Um, hold on one second, guys. Hold on one second. Yo, Joseph, I think you're trying to ask me my thoughts about the game. Uh, there's 63 people looking at me answering the phone right now on the live. So why don't you hop into the live? <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. Laker fan, you know, my good friend. My Laker fans always want to know my thoughts after these games. So thankfully we got even Laker fans that I don't even know anymore want to know the thoughts. But let's, um, let's keep on moving. Anthony Davis was doing it in a number of ways. In that pick and roll, he has the ability to hit that push shot. As I said, D'Lo and Austin Reeves hitting the in-between game. LeBron, I like the uh, willingness and the sacrifice he's shown to trust those guys in the pick and roll and then stand on the wing and shoot threes. Look, I think there were times where he needed to do that even more with Russ, but I don't think he trusted Russ enough offensively uh, in the half court especially for that Laker team. But now with the spacing that they have and D'Lo and Austin Reeves, he feels comfortable trusting them with the ball so he can save the tank to be more on ball later in the game. Now, as far as his three-point shooting, it can be very hit or miss. Tonight, it was miss. But I do like the way he was still able to make plays, had two or three cuts, and found AD for um, a layup or a dunk underneath the rim. And LeBron, overall, he still is going to play smart basketball. He's still a guy you want to have out there. And the problem is with the Warriors, and this is what I said in the preview, they're going to have to make LeBron play defense and I'm not saying LeBron didn't play defense he had very timely blocks solid rim protection affected a couple of shots but they didn't make him move in the half court they did not make him move and that's not to say that the Warriors weren't moving without the ball the normal suspects are moving without the ball Jordan Poole Steph Curry Clay Thompson but what the Lakers strategy was was to play a lot of guys topside to prevent them from coming off screens for open threes. Usually what's available for those Warriors is the back cuts or are the back cuts when guys are playing them topside. But AD, Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron, whoever, when, whoever was guarding Looney and Draymond, when they were setting that screen, they were sagging off a lot. They were sit, basically sitting in the paint and it was considered legal guarding position. So they weren't even getting dinged for three-second violations. It was considered legal guarding position because the officials themselves know that Draymond and Kevon Looney aren't going to look to shoot. I mean, Draymond went back to the allergic to shooting thing in this game. It was, let's see how many shots he took. Nine. But man, you have to make him take those. I mean, he was not looking at the basket. He was not being guarded in this game. Kevon Looney the same, but at least he's crashing the glass. The thing is, a couple of times the Warriors were able to exploit that in the first half when because they were sitting so deep, you go to the dribble handoff action and when the guys don't do a good enough job getting over the screens, sometimes they can do a good job getting over screens. The Warrior players are still going to get those clean looks. Jordan Poole had a couple of threes in that second quarter. I believe he had 13 points in that second quarter. Steph Curry had a couple of shots. Klay Thompson was the hot, uh, the, 
he was hotter than Steph Curry in the game, in the first half. And then Andrew Wiggins was also knocking down a couple of shots. But outside of that, you got nothing from the Warrior bench. You're getting nothing scoring-wise from Draymond and Looney. And they're actively making it harder offensively for the other guys on their team. Because when I'm as I'm saying, when they're guarding top side and then AD and them are sitting in the paint, that takes away the back cut. Now the top the shot coming off the screen is taken away. Now you got to go into something different. That's when you might need to put Steph Curry on the ball more. First half, though, it didn't necessarily matter because the Warriors were still up at halftime. I believe it was 65-64. to 64. No, Lakers were up one at halftime, 65-64. And I felt good because of how uber-aggressive Anthony Davis was and how terrified the Warriors looked of going into the paint against him. They were shooting a lot of threes. You know that's going to be what the Warriors do. The Lakers are not a very good three-point shooting team. Despite the fact that they're improved, Warriors are going to try to play and win the math game. But the Lakers are going to try to pound the Warriors in the paint with Anthony Davis. There's, a, there's something about the Warriors that people don't talk about enough is that they have not played elite bigs enough in the playoffs. As I said, before playing Jokic last year, the most elite big, true big they played was probably Zebo and Marcus Saul or Anthony Davis in 2018. But they've never played a played them when they've had adequate help around them this is the first time they're doing so and so far not so good come on looney great defender don't think he can guard ad when he's on this type of time when he's hitting the mid-range when he's hitting the 18 footer i mean there was one turnaround over the left shoulder he had this was the anthony davis that every laker fan wants to see consistently the one that has the potential to go down as one of the greatest power forwards to ever play this game if he was like this consistently he is still a fantastic player he will be a hall of famer he is so unique but it's when he plays with this kind of intensity on both ends of the floor where it feels like he's literally affecting 80 percent of the plays on both ends of the floor from a defensive standpoint offensive on the boards he is one of the best players in the nba and on this night he was the best player on the floor. And Steph Curry has to be the best player on the floor for Golden State to have a chance because I'm taking the advantage Lakers. You saw the way guys like Dennis Schroeder came into the game. How about Dennis Schroeder tonight, Laker fans? Let me hear what you think about him because so often we go to Dennis Schroeder as a guy that's a scapegoat in ways. He obviously has had his playoff duds in a Laker uniform dating back to 2021. But the way this guy came in the game was getting to the line, was hitting foul shots, taking advantage of that drop coverage, and more importantly, guarding Steph Curry. I remember he created two offensive fouls in a span of five minutes, one where he clean misses Fields, Diddy Reese. Let's go, let's go in L.A. Uh, staple. Diddy Reese cookied his ass at half court, and then another one where he drew an offensive foul. Dennis Schroeder came out with intensity like he always does. But he played really, really well. Sick, but overall, the Warriors were still in it because of the Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins shooting well. Looney was still doing a good job on the glass. But if you're the Lakers, Vando, Dennis Schroeder, they kept uh, Stephen Curry in check in that first half. Four minutes only for Wenyan Gabriel. In, and I think he only played in the first half because Anthony Davis went the whole second half tonight, guys. The whole second half. This is the guy they call street clothes. He was playing 44 minutes. Now, I wonder if that's going to be sustainable. I wonder if that, like, you don't want him to get hurt. But this is what you load manage him for in the regular season. Talking about we don't want to play him back-to-back to the end. This is what you load manage him for. By the way, shout out to the live. 81 people in the chat. I think that's just a sign from God that Big Bean is watching the Dimey guy right now. Seeing his Lakers win. 117-112 to 112 over the dubs. Now, second half. 
I was thinking to myself, even though the Lakers are really comfortable right now, not really comfortable, should be, shouldn't be comfortable, but I said I would feel pretty good if I was a Laker fan. I tweeted that out because I felt that the Lakers just, it felt hard. It was just a lot of threes, and I don't still, even though it's the Warriors, I still don't trust the three ball as much as getting to the line and getting in the paint. And as much as I think that, you know, I kind of want the Warriors to win the series, even though I'm not, I'm pretty neutral. But I just, I, the LeBron stands are just unbearable for me. They're just very unbearable. The Steph stands aren't great either, I'm not going to lie. But I don't know, I just don't like the LeBron ones as much because they just, I talked about it too much. I don't want to make this about them. It doesn't matter who I want to win the series. But in terms of my stylistic favoritism, I want the Lakers like, I like the style the Lakers are playing. I am pro defense, rebounding, domination in the paint. Live by the three, die by the three. The Warriors, the reason why they were a championship team is not just because of their uncanny ability to shoot the three ball. They also embrace the mid-range. They also move without the ball. They take the right threes with the right personnel. And more importantly, they guard. The Lakers guard too, though. You know what I'm saying? And as I said, the strategy was fantastic. Guarding the Warrior players top side, having AD and the and LeBron and Jared Vanderbilt sit off of those guys that are non-shooters. Not really Vanderbilt because he was guarding Curry mostly, but LeBron and Anthony Davis mainly. And like, look, you can get the ball to Draymond Green to turn and go. He doesn't want to challenge LeBron and Anthony Davis at the rim. He doesn't. And then when Gary Payton's coming in, missing all these wide open threes, I don't think he made one. 0 for 2 from deep. Moses Moody played six minutes. The only thing I remember him doing really well was getting this insane offensive rebound. Um, this one amazing offensive rebound. But Jordan Poole, I will say, he brought it. Jermichael Green played eight minutes in this game, hit two threes, and that's another guy the Lakers were just leaving wide open. Um, I'm surprised they didn't play him more uh, in the second half, only six points in eight minutes. I shouldn't say only six points, but only eight minutes. But Dante DiVincenzo, Another guy, 12 minutes, not giving the Warriors anything. I'm very disappointed in DiVincenzo so far these playoffs. He just doesn't look very confident right now. Only one shot attempt. It sounds like he's not even shoot, you know, he's not really even being aggressive. Third quarter, though, the Lakers started to impose their will a little bit. D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves started putting Curry in the action. And it wasn't really just, you know, whoever Curry's guarding, go set a screen. It was mostly get Curry switched on to D'Lo and then put him in the pick and roll. And D'Lo was getting into his mid-range bag, one and one that probably shouldn't have been called. Um, shout out to Kevin Schwang right there with the super sticker with the five bucks. Appreciate you, man. Everything is appreciated. I try my best. Um, everybody in the lab right now really appreciate you. But D'Lo was in his bag to start that quarter, getting into the mid-range. And dude, this is D'Lo's first second round game. Credit to him. He showed up to the task. And defensively, I have not seen D'Angelo Russell be some kind of liability so far in this second stint with the Lakers. He embraced, obviously I love how he embraces the mid-range, but when he's playing like this, he is an all-star caliber player. He is that third star kind of guy that we saw in Brooklyn. He should be in his prime right now, and I think he is. You know, he's learned a lot. He seems like he's more mature, and the way he plays, the shots that he makes, he's a tough shot maker. That game is built for the playoffs. The only thing about D'Lo is 
It's his consistency. Those are tough shots to live off of. It's a tough shot diet. So when he doesn't make those shots, sometimes he doesn't really do much else. But I don't really believe that fully because I think he's a pretty good pass. Not pretty good. He's a very good passer, underrated. And defensively, as I said, he's not terrible to me so far with the Lakers. Now, obviously, it looks a lot easier when you have Anthony Davis back there. I want to just make it very clear. The Lakers team is, yeah, they play good defense, but like 90% of this is because of AD. The amount of ground he covers is insane. The Warriors were scared shitless to go in the paint. Let's be real. They weren't going up to, up in the paint strong. Everybody wants to talk about the free throw disparity. Look, there were a couple of bad calls on jump shooters, and Schroeder flopped a couple times and all that. But if we really want to micro-analyze every single call, there were some calls the Lakers didn't get. Like, I remember one time in the first half, uh, Looney went for an offensive rebound and knocked LeBron over the head. Should have been an over-the-back foul. wasn't called. Does it really matter? Not really. Because... The Lakers were just the better team, in my opinion. They went to the basket. The Warriors shot 53 threes. And mind you, they made 39.6% of them. But they were also 22 for 53 from two, which tells you what kind of presence Anthony Davis had. Because when they did put Anthony Davis in the action, in the second half, the adjustment was he went to more of that shallow drop. Earlier, he was in that deeper drop because he was, you know, sagging off of Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. He wanted to protect the rim. But then he got into that shallow drop, and he was taking away clean looks for different shooters. Um, and the Lakers went up by 10. Klay Thompson was really the only one going uh, for the Warriors. Steph Curry, you know, they wasn't able to get the ball because, you know, the motion offense is running its course, and the Lakers are doing a good job denying, especially with Jared Vanderbilt, who's using his length to bother, bother Curry and uh, chase him over the top of screens pretty well. When you have Vando behind you in your rear view, AD coming up in that shallow drop, there is not that much room to maneuver. Even if Steph Curry tries to do that same thing he did against Sabonis or against the Kings, or he waits for AD to retreat and then tries to step back, Jared Vanderbilt is pretty tall, so it and obviously has really long arms, like a damn near seven foot wingspan. He might he might have a seven foot wingspan. That's not easy to get that shot off. But the Lakers, and by the way, Steph Curry went to the bench. He's been doing that, you know, sitting at the six minute mark in the first quarter, uh, second quarter, and third quarter. He ends that first quarter in that third quarter, but in this game, he was taken out at that five or six minute mark when the Warriors were down by ten. I was very nervous for them in that moment. But Clay and Wiggins uh, and Poole, I believe, were able to kind of keep them in the game. It was a lot of Clay Thompson, you know, him kind of as the initiator and them, you know, trying to get him freed up off of screens. But with Curry going to the bench, I was pretty nervous for the Warriors. But they were able to manage towards the end of it. And Steph didn't come in to end that third quarter, um, which made me know right away that Steph was going to play the entire fourth. Now, a certain problem for the Warriors in this game was having those two bigs out there at once. Because now you have two non-shooters. And the way Vando, Reeves, and AD as a help defender, even LeBron as well at times, that is not easy to get clean looks off. And as opposed to the Lakers, where you're running high pick and rolls with AD and D'Angelo or Austin Reeves, you got to account for their mid-range game. It's crazy how much, little, how much fewer LeBron is running pick and roll with AD now because of those guys. But I actually like it because you're really conserving LeBron in the right way. He's sacrificing. Like, this is what I've always wanted LeBron to do sometimes is sacrifice more. Fuck your stats. And that's the thing. That's where everybody's going to get on him now is the stats don't look good. He didn't shoot the ball well. He still made big plays to me. You know, he rebounded, got a couple of big blocks. 
you know, he still plays smart. It's LeBron James. And he still has to be accounted for at all times. So 9 for 24, fine. It doesn't matter. They're winning a game for, the, for a reason. He's sacrificing. He's being a catch. He's becoming a little uncomfortable. He's trying to go to that catch and shoot mode. That's to make other guys comfortable. That's to get the most out of D'Lo. This is the type of things that Larry Bird did, Magic Johnson did, to make everyone around them better. If you want to criticize LeBron, you've got to be a little consistent. At least with me, I'm consistent. You know, I don't like, it's not just LeBron, by the way. If you listen to me, you know how anti I am. A lot of the guys that just dominate, dominate, dominate the ball. And even guys that choose to do it when they have other good players on the team and they underestimate their ability to create. What I love is that LeBron really trusts Reeves. He really trusts Reeves and he's shown D'Lo the respect as well. But this was the problem for the dubs is having those two bigs in at the same time. And when they, so they go out, right? 10 point game, 86, 76, five minutes to go. In the third quarter. Moses Moody comes in for Wiggins. Jordan Poole comes in for Looney. And Gary Payton comes in for Steph. So now you go small with Draymond at the five. But you also have Gary Payton in with them. So you still have two non-shooters in that respect. You just have Poole, Moody, and Clay. It's just tough. It's just tough. And that was the lineup they rode with uh, to until DiVincenzo came in the game at the, let's see, when did DiVincenzo come in? 124 for Moody. So yeah, Moody only got a really quick burn in that second half. I think that was one of the positions where he got that rebound was big time. Um, And then Wiggins came right back in for Peyton. I think Wiggins played like 40 minutes in this game. But AD going the whole second half, I did not expect that. I will say credit to the Warriors for getting it to a single-digit game, even though they were down by 10 when Steph went out, um, to make it an eight-point game going into the fourth. And they made their run in the fourth. However, it was after the Lakers went up um, by 14 points. When LeBron hit this 18-footer, and he started to play better in that fourth quarter, LeBron, um, when he hit that 18-footer, I thought the game was done. You know, AD was a beast. Dennis Schroeder got to the basket. Jared When Jared Vanderbilt made that corner three, I was like, all right. Like, I think the Lakers got him tonight. And you could just see the defense that Vando was playing against Steph. The stats may not show it all the way, but the way he was chasing him over screens. And in the fourth quarter, they did start to go more Steph pick and roll. And granted, they got a lot of much better looks. So the the formula for the Warriors is this, to play one big, honestly, as much as you can and then put Steph in the pick and roll a lot. The thing is he can't do it all game, but there is a balance to be found. And I think that they were too, you know, motion heavy, you know, so that the Steph stands they they get their wish, you know, the Warriors lose uh, because they didn't give Steph the ball so they can blame everything on the coach. But there was other aspects of the Lakers, uh, the Warriors not winning and the Lakers, you know, just dominating on the inside. And look, the Warriors have struggled to play defense without fouling all season. So don't give me that whole, uh, it was just a ref disparity. The Warriors have struggled to play defense without fouling all season. And Draymond, by the way, was not guarding Davis. So if Draymond's not going to guard AD, he's not going to look at the basket. He, just him making three or four nice, you know, passes throughout the game, that's not enough. Because he's doing more detrimental things offensively just by them not guarding him than anything else. He has to guard Anthony Davis or his presence in the series has to be limited. And they face the same dilemma they did in the first three games of the finals last year. So Draymond Green, 
He has to be a threat. It's the same conversation. See, the reason why the motion offense worked so much better back in the 2015 and 16 is because Draymond was a really good offensive player then too. He was able to hit the three ball with consistency. He was looking at the basket. Now, he's not even looking at the rim. It puts a lot of pressure on Steph, Clay, and Wiggins. You know what I'm saying? And they had KD in the past to mitigate all that shit. Now, it's a little different. It's a little different. So, you need Poole to play well. And he did, by the way. So, the fact that Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, and Clay Thompson ended up not shooting that great, but Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, let me look at the box score. No, yeah, I don't, I guess, yeah, they didn't shoot that great. 40.6%. But they shot well from three, 39.6%. The threes were the only reason they were in the game. I remember talking to my uh, dad watching the game, and I was like, it feels like the Lakers are up way more than this. It was like a six point game, like 98, 92. And it was because the, the Warriors were hitting the three ball. But overall, the Lakers went up by about 14. I thought they were home free, but the Warriors didn't quit. As I said, Steph Curry, you know, getting good looks in that pick and roll. They were starting to get a little bit more of those four on threes. He was starting to get going a little bit. Klay Thompson hit a big three. There was a sequence where Andrew Wiggins got like three offensive rebounds in a row. Jordan Poole hit a big three, and it was only a three-point game. And they were able to tie the game on a Steph Curry three. And then, because the Lakers just went cold, I want to say. Like, AD missed a contested layup. LeBron started missing jump shots. LeBron went cold at the end. And then even D'Lo missed a couple of shots. Steph Curry made a big three on the right wing to tie the game at 114. Or, I'm sorry, 112. And then D'Lo, I want to say with about a minute and a half left, so clutch hit that bank shot. I think it was against Curry, but I could be wrong. And the Lakers, you know, they were starting to involve Curry and, and Poole in the action. But I think that the Warriors, honestly, in the fourth quarter did a decent enough job defending. Um, let me see how many points they allowed in the fourth. 21. So, yeah, they actually did a decent enough job defending in that fourth quarter. I thought Steph was fine. I thought Poole was fine. Actually, Poole was better than fine. I think Poole did a, the best job I've ever seen him do fighting over screens in that stretch. That was part of the reason they got back in the game, too. And also, you know, let me check if they went to that one big look. I think they did. I tweeted that. I said, are they going to go one big? And they went with Poole, Wiggins, Steph, Clay, and uh, Draymond. And they started getting back in it. The only con there is, will AD dominate? Will the Lakers get you on the glass with, Wig uh, with Vando, with LeBron? But part of the reason they got back in the game was because Ham took Vando out. I think he wanted the offense. Um, let me see when they took Vando out. Real quick. Because Vando had played the entire beginning of the fourth, right? He was guarding Curry, doing a really good job. I think he had played like seven minutes. Let's see. He comes out around the five-minute mark. Yeah, five minutes and 17 seconds. D'Angelo Russell enters the game for Jared Vanderbilt. Lakers are up by eight points. 112 to 104. And then slowly but surely, the, the Warriors get back into the game. Schroeder goes on to Steph. And Steph, not to say Schroeder was doing a bad job. He was just starting to get going. And a lot of they had some success with the guard guard pick and uh, screen and roll action or pick and pop action with Jordan Poole setting the screen, Steph setting the screen. Um, so you could see the blueprint of what you will you will probably be seeing the Warriors do in Game Two. But big shot by D'Lo and then a block by AD on Steph on the other way. LeBron got fouled, made one out of two. So it's 115 to 112. Jordan Poole missed a floater or a jumper. AD then got the rebound. LeBron missed the three. Wasn't a good shot. 
legs were gone. And then the controversial one to end the game. Jordan Poole's shot. Now, Steph Curry was getting double teamed at half court by Reeves and Vando. He gives the ball up to Draymond. If it's the second quarter, if it's the first quarter, if it's the third quarter, if it's the fourth quarter of a regular season game, I'm doing exactly what Draymond did and made that pass every time. But considering Jordan Poole had just missed and whose team this is, who you have on your team, you got to go right back to Curry. I don't blame Jordan Poole for taking the shot. The only thing would say is take a step in, brother. You know, that's really deep. But the, the defense is that that's the type of shot Jordan Poole lives off of. Is he more comfortable shooting that off the catch than potentially taking one or two dribbles in and pulling up from right behind the line? Maybe he is. Maybe he's more comfortable shooting that catch-and-shoot shot. Nonetheless, I think if it were me as a Warriors fan, I think Draymond should have just gone back to Curry. Just gone back to Curry because the thing is, Vando left Curry. He went back to Draymond. So I think Curry was, was would have been able to get the ball free off of Reeves. And then it would have just been down to him trying to dance one-on-one for a three-ball. Jordan Poole should have gone in, uh, taken, taken a step in. But overall, that is not the reason that the Warriors lost. The Lakers win it 117-112. to 112, A huge win. Huge. Take a one nothing lead in the series and have home court advantage. Putting the Warriors in a must-win situation in Game 2. Now, a question also to be asked. Should the Warriors have called timeout? It's a, that's going to be, you know, that's always a discussion to be had. Maybe he probably should have, but I think Steve Kerr's idea was if I can get Steph a transition three or Clay a transition three with the defense scrambling or just without Darvin Ham being able to kind of scheme it, you know, that's always the dilemma to have as a coach if you want to do that. And honestly, I don't blame Steve Kerr. Trust Steph Curry. You know what I'm saying? Trust your team of vets to get the job done and get a decent shot to tie the game. They didn't do that. The Lakers came up big. What a win for them. You know, who do I start with? Let me know. Who do you think I should start with, guys? Um, the Warriors' perspective of why they lost or the why the Lakers won? You let me know in the comments right now while I drink a sip of water at the 30-minute mark. Overall, the Lakers did not win this game because of free throws, man. Y'all Warriors fans need to quit it. Uh, I'm an unbiased perspective here. Yes, I'm an L.A. sports channel. But I've also said I kind of want the Warriors to win. Overall, it doesn't really matter. I want to see great basketball, and that's what we saw in this game. The Lakers attacked the basket more. Someone, look, the Warriors had what? 14 more shot attempts in the game. The Lakers had... Oh, let me open up those stats. The Lakers had 23 more free throw attempts. The Warriors shot 53 threes. The Lakers shot 25. The Lakers attacked the basket more. How about all the shots that weren't taken by the Warriors because of AD's presence? Come on, man. They were scared to go in the paint, hesitant, going up weak. Draymond Green wanted, like, just some of the floaters he was throwing up, dude. Missing layups at the rim. It, it was, it, AD was affecting everything, everything. Even on those shallow drops, those floaters he was blocking. I mean, come on, man. The Lakers, every single thing that the Laker fans said was going to happen in, in the series happened in that game one. They were more physical. AD was not to be stopped. That was a Shaq stat line he pulled. Uh, he put up. The Warriors are living off the three. They they And they shot well and still lost. And the Lakers had more depth. D'Lo, Reeves, Schroeder, 
These guys came to play. You got a good pool game, but you didn't get anything from DiVincenzo. Gary Payton's not hitting anything. And two guys on the offensive side for the Warriors are not being guarded. You need to make an adjustment. Try to get to more Curry on the ball because right now the rest of the team is not performing at the level that you want. And that forces AD to just come up a little bit more. You just got to get him to drag him out a little bit more. That's one of the adjustments that the Warriors are going to make. I know they're going to do it. And also, you got to make LeBron try to guard more. He's too comfortable around the basket. He had a couple of big blocks. You got to make him guard and chase guys a little bit more. Wiggins as the screener. Why didn't they go to that at all? They should try to do, go to that. See, if he's going to go, is LeBron going to switch on to Curry? Because by all means, let him. Because there was a couple times that LeBron got was switched on to Jordan Poole, and Poole blew by him easily at the end. So you got to try to make LeBron guard more. And you have to try to drag AD out. I'm not saying spam high pick and roll every second steps in the game, but you got to give the ball to your best player a little bit more. This is the old conversation always between Steph fans and the Warriors fans. Look, the motion offense is incredible. It's revolutionized the game. But right now, Draymond Green not being a threat makes it very different than 2016-2015. That's the reality. And even Andrew Bogut had more offensive touch and skill than Looney. Looney, by the way, who shot jumpers at UCLA. I don't know why he's taking that out of his game. If he could shoot a foul line jumper, it would go a long way. But he at least is killing it on the glass. The adjustments for the Warriors, you got to play one big a lot more, maybe exclusively. The problem is... AD, the interior defense, the boards. But I you gotta trust Wiggins, Clay, Draymond to take care of it. And to for Draymond to be able to guard Anthony Davis one on one and for everybody else to stay home. The only person that could potentially help off a little bit is the guy guarding Vando. But overall, try to make Anthony Davis go at Draymond Green one on one. Let Draymond be physical. And if you get AD playing poorly, then that's all it takes for the Warriors. And then obviously curry on the ball more. Um, am I missing anything else? As I said, yes, put LeBron in the action, especially if he's guarding Wiggins. Make Wiggins a screener. And Draymond just needs to look at the basket more. But let's read the lines. And don't, so don't tell me about free throw attempts, please. I mean, as I said, I, I'm unbiased with this. There's no, there's nothing to, I'm a, you know, I'm a Clipper fan. There's nothing to do with Lakers or Warriors. I just want to see good basketball. 20, I'm sorry, 14 more shot attempts for the Warriors. Okay. 53 threes. The Lakers shot 25 threes. 29 free throw attempts to six for the Warriors. Six. They weren't really going in the paint like that. And when they were, they were getting blocked. They were getting swatted. AD was changing shots. Completely changing shots. And let's be honest, because I've actually watched Warriors games this season. And Warriors fans, you have to admit it. They have had a problem guarding without fouling all year. All year. Yes, some of the fouls, landing space fouls, I think were a little bit bullshit. I do. Like one of them on D'Lo. There was one on AD in the first half where if you're going to give that to him, you got to give one of the one or two of those to Steph as well. But officiating was not the only reason the, the Warriors lost. I don't think it's any reason, to be honest. Maybe you think it's a minimal reason or you think it's everything they lost. I disagree. Lakers are more physical, generating easier shots, won the paint battle. AD was the best player on the floor. He was dominant on both ends. And the Lakers just got more help on the supporting cast. Poole was, Poole, Poole was good. But, I mean, let's just read the lines then. Why not? To prove it. Jermichael Green, six points. Gary Payton, the second, two points. DiVincenzo, a donut. Moody, a donut. Draymond Green, six points. So, right there, you have one, two, three, four, five players with the combined 14 points. That's nothing. Kevon Looney, oh, man. 
10 points, 23 rebounds, and 5 assists. Jesus Christ, 23 rebounds. 7 offensive rebounds. He was 5 for 11 from the field. He, I thought he played really well. Um, but in drop coverage, he's eh. It's hard for him. Um, how about, let's see, let's see what the rebounding disparity was. 49 rebounds for the Dubs. 53 for the Lakers, so not that much different there. It's the free throw game that really matters. I mean, it's really the difference. The Lakers went to the basket. You know, AD's just, he's just a different breed. He's just been incredible. Wow, shout out to this. I don't even know what kind of currency this is. Shout out to Bernardo Vivas, the Brazilian. Since 2015 to 19, Steph is the greatest off-ball player ever and a great on-ball player, but too frail. 2021-23, Steph is a great off-ball and might be the best pick-and-roll handler since, ball handler since prime Nash, at least. He's in his quick, but he's stronger. What about CP3 in his prime? Um, I'm not the biggest Chris Paul guy, but he was a pick-and-roll killer for us in the, in the Lob City days. Idea 86 says, $22. Damn, cash on me, please. I'm poor. Hey, man, you producing content or what? Idea 86. But anyway, yeah, 23 rebounds for Looney. I thought he was really good. Um, he's just been amazing in the playoffs. Draymond Green, though, six points, four rebounds, seven assists, one steal, three blocks. The good thing about the Warriors is they only turned the ball over eight times. But is that more concerning? Eight turnovers. You shot 40% from three. You shot 14 more shots than the Lakers, and you lost. But, on the other hand, Draymond didn't play well. Clay shot 9 for 25, and Steph shot 10 for 24. So if you put them all together, they shot a combined 22 for, geez, 58. 22 for 58, so that's not very good. They're going to be better than that. Draymond had a triple single. He needs to look at the basket. He needs to also guard Anthony Davis or else his presence out there is just not a thing. You know, he might as well be playing for the Lakers. Andrew Wiggins, 15 points, 6 rebounds. Thought he did a really good job on Braun. 6 uh, for 14 from the field. 1 for 5 from deep, though. He was not hitting his 3-ball, and the Lakers were letting him shoot. He needs to hit that shot, keep the defense honest. I already said Jermichael Green, Gary Payton. Gary Payton has to be a threat offensively. Because defensively, I mean, he's a great defender, but he's not hes not doing it right now. Was that the right move to get J Gary Payton the second back? He has not shown anything in the playoffs so far this year like he did last. Jermichael Green, six points. DiVincenzo needs to be better. Jordan Poole, though, I thought he played really well. He was actually a plus seven, which was the highest of any Warrior. 21 points and six dimes. He also didn't turn the ball over at all. Seven for 15 from the field. Six for 11 from deep. So, look, he was six for 10 before he shot that last one. I mean, it's hard to argue against it, but it was deep, very deep. And I still think Steph needs to get the last shot. Klay Thompson, 25 points, three rebounds, four assists, also no turnovers. Nine for 25 from the field, six for 16 from three. Oh, my God. Um, and one for two from the line. Steph Curry only got one foul shot. He probably should have gotten a couple more. But, I mean, not that many, guys. The Warriors were shooting a lot of long jumpers. What do you want me to say? They're getting the screens really high. They're in that shallow drop. Are they going to try to take AD downhill? No, they're not. <laughs> they're not going to do that. Like, you got. I watched the game. Let's talk about the Lakers. Rui Hachimura was very quiet. Oh, my God, I forgot. I'm, thank God I remembered this. One thing that seemed pretty confusing for the Lakers and part of that run for the Warriors is when they went to a zone. Some variations of 1-2-2, two, two, sometimes a little 2-3. 
the Lakers have a dilemma, and expect to see a lot more of this in Game 2. In my opinion, if I'm the Lakers, the way you break that zone is you put LeBron in the high post in the middle of the floor and carve them like a fucking turkey. But here's the issue. You want AD in that dunker spot as the lob threat. You want three shooters around them. Either, you know, one on each wing or one on one wing, one in the corner. So who do you put in? D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves? Then who guards Curry? You don't want Reeves guarding Curry. That's an issue. If you put Vando in for, let's say, D'Lo, then you'd have a you have a non-shooter, which is the purpose of zone. He'll they'll let them that guy shoot all day long. You put in Schroeder with D'Lo and Austin Reeves because Dennis can shoot better. Now Dennis is guarding Steph, but now you have that three guards in. So that's the dilemma, and I would do that if I'm the Warriors. Just go to that a lot more because. That's gonna make that's gonna give him some decisions. Now the other guy is Rui Hachimura. It would pro- my biggest counter I'd say to that would be AD LeBron Rui Hachimura and then D'Lo and Austin Reeves. Rui Hachimura has to be a little bit better than tonight though. But actually, I mean it was two for two. It was he was a, it was a pretty quiet game. Six points, eleven minutes. Let me look at what minutes he played in the second half because I don't really remember anything from him in the second half. Let's see. Vando had to come out at some point. Dennis Schroeder came in for Vando. Rui came in for Reeves at the 3 minute and 47 second mark. Was that all he played? Just the end of the third quarter? Yeah, just the end of the third quarter. And that was a period where it was just kind of even. Even Steven, so. Yeah. Um, Rui Hachimura, only 11 minutes. Might have to play more, though. Six points. But I get why. I mean, the other guys were just really guarding. Troy Brown, 12 minutes. Uh, he, I, don't, I don't think he was that great. Three points in the game. Um, did a decent job at times guarding guys topside, but then there were other times he was struggling and Clay was getting good looks. Dennis Schroeder, 31 minutes played. 19 points, 5 for 10 from the field. Three assists, two boards. What a game for Dennis off the bench. How many steals? One steal. Just the cookies on Curry. Really solid game for, for Dennis. And then the starters, who all played 26-plus minutes. Jared Vanderbilt, eight, six, eight points, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two blocks. Two for seven from the field, one for three from deep. That three was a big one. Jared Vanderbilt did an amazing job guarding Steph. He made him work. Um, oh, I, I didn't say Steph Curry's line. 27 points, six rebounds, three assists. On 10 for 24 shooting from the field, 6 for 13 from deep. So, 4 for 11 from 2 for Steph. The Anthony Davis effect. 6 for 13 from deep. So, yes, I do like the three ball. Um, Five turnovers, though, for Curry. Five out of the eight turnovers came from Steph. So that's just not good enough. He needs to be better. He needs to try to get the ball more. Um, and I think they will. Only 38 minutes, though. I think Kerr has to play him more. He needs to play 40 minutes. They, he doesn't have the room for error in this series. He has to play 40-plus minutes. So, Steph Curry not good enough. Kerr also not good enough. I will say. I got to say he's part of it. Let's see. Warriors. Oh, I'm sorry. Vando. Yeah. Great job. Great job overall. 10 for 24 is not that great, by the way, for Steph. So, I'm taking the way uh, Vando guarded. Um, How about... 
Austin Reeves. 10 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, no turnovers, 4 for 9 from the field and 2 for 5 from deep. He also was tasked with guarding Clay uh, Thompson so much. And, you know, did a decent job. I think he struggled at times. But overall, his effort level was really high. And 9 for 25, I mean, you'll take that. Obviously, those are not all with Austin Reeves guarding him. But you held Clay Thompson to a not-so-great shooting night. Um, how about D'Lo, the big, now the big three? I do think, I do think they're a big three when D'Lo's playing like that. So, by the way, as I said, D'Lo, this is all-star level D'Lo. Nine for 19 from the field, one for five from three, huge shot to go ahead, 19 points, six dimes, only one turnover. He was big time, especially in the second half. And then LeBron. Not a very good shooting game, but I think he did other things. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 blocks. The blocks were just big. A little careless with the basketball, 4 turnovers, so half the turnovers came from him. He did not shoot well. He will shoot much better in Game 2, I promise you that. But I still think it was a solid game for Braun. 9 for 24 from the field, 1 for 8 from deep. He sacrificed, had a couple of nice off-ball moments, and some good dishes and defensive moments. But the player of the game, the best player on the court, Maybe his best playoff game as a Laker, maybe. 30 points, 23 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, and that doesn't account for all the shots that he affects that don't even go in the stat sheet, the shots that he prevents people from taking. 11 for 19 from the field. Only two three-point attempts and missed them both. I say, I say stay away from that three-point line. 8 for 8 from the line. That's huge because AD late in the season was struggling from the foul line. For him to make all his free throws is gigantic. 25 for 29 from the line for the Lakers. So, yes, they may have gotten a lot of free throws, but they made a lot of free throws. 86%, that's absolutely huge, despite a 24% three-point shooting night. 47% from the field as a team. 80 played the whole second half. What a win for the Lakers. I think you'll get a better game from LeBron. The question is, will you get that kind of game from Anthony Davis again? That, I don't know. Not I shouldn't say again, but like again in game two. He'll have another one of those games in the series. I don't know about the 20 rebounds, but he'll be dominant like that on both ends. And right now, AD looks as good as any player in the playoffs right now. This is what Laker fans have been waiting for, for AD to take the reins from LeBron, as he should. And right now, you're seeing that. And the Warriors, I believe they're in trouble. I laid out the adjustments. They're simple. They'll probably be done, but they're in trouble. I said Warriors in seven, and I'm going to stick with that pick because I don't flip-flop like that. But if I had to redo the pick right now after game one, I would say Lakers in six. Joining us now from a New York City cab is Fabian Perspect TV <laughs> to talk about the Knicks and the Heat. The Knicks tying up the series at one game apiece. I did show up to my TV a little bit late. I didn't see the first quarter. So before we get really into the game, please let me know. Were there any immediate adjustments you saw? First of all, Julius Randle back for the Knicks in this one. Huge. Um, and before we get started, I want to thank Bernardo for the super chat. He says, Warriors need to make AD and LBJ defend in space. Pick and roll for Steph. Handoffs for Clay with their man is the way. CP3 was great, but Steph shoots 42% off the dribble threes. So did Nash. CP3 can't shoot 62% on middies. Hashtag levels to this. Anyway, I do. Lot. Yeah? No, no, that was a lot. Yeah, well, uh, credit to... Um, I agree with all. I agree with all that. Although I do think they were doing handoffs for Clay, but 
Yo, your commentators, your man said he still has wired headphones. I'll catch him from wire, some wireless fam. <laughs> Yo, I like the wire, the wired headphones better. Um, Idea eighty six, whatever your name is. Why is your boy Nick? Man, why does your boy Nick Pillow never show up to these late night lives? He only shows up to the daytime lives. Nick Pillow, get us together, Nick Pillow. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did, did, did the Knicks make adjustments? Yes. Um, nah, I think it was the lack of uh, Jimmy Butler and and Julius Randle, the addition of Julius Randle to the game, bro. Like, he almost had a triple-double. Josh, on the left-hand side, my bad. Uh, um, and then, yeah, Julius Randle added to the game. It's over. And that was the big difference. And then Butler, Brunson turning it up again in the fourth quarter. You my last yeah. So basically, Julius Randle, the one thing I noticed immediately and that the Lakers um, missed, I'm sorry, the Knicks missed, was him dra uh, drawing double teams. You saw the Heat double teaming him, showing him that attention. He was creating some good looks for other guys. R.J. Barrett, uh, another solid game shooting the basketball. And the Knicks, but the in thing was in the first quarter. But the one thing I was surprised at was without Jimmy Butler, who missed the game with a sprained ankle. So we talked about that last after the last game. Is Jimmy Butler going to play? Does he need to play, given that the Heat stole game one? Now, I'll meet your mic for a second because uh, whatever that is is loud. But um, the one thing I saw was that the Heat were still getting so many good looks. So many good looks. And that's what was surprising to me, even without Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo was being used as the initiator. He was getting the ball a lot at like the high post foul line area. And credit to Spo, man. He brought out the whole playbook in this game just like with a lot of different dribble handoffs bam setting back screens a lot of off ball movement getting these guys open shots what did you think as a knicks fan of your defense in the first half because guys like again this this heat supporting cast gabe vincent caleb martin these guys have gone crazy in the playoffs shout, shout out to um ryan Russillo on a bill simmons podcast he said that the way the golden state warriors recruit players especially in high school they have to be like top rated draft picks, right? Or top rated, top rated, uh, top recruited players from high school. So I'm wondering, yo, what is the criteria for the Miami Heat players, bro? They all have a handle, and they can all get to the basket. And when they get to the basket, they can make that skip pass, just high IQ guys. Yeah. Of a bunch of tenacity, and we don't have that. Like I told you, my number one fear, one of my number one, one of my fears with the Knicks is, yo, Emmanuel Quickly doesn't even have a crossover. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has watched this yet. Nah, I'm in. I, I just came from Harlem, Edwards. I was just uptown right now. I'm downtown right now. Um, and the, the he had like three of those guys: Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. We just make them look like all stars, and they just they're willing to you know accept the challenge. So they get to the basket, they make these passes, and they're willing to make the extra pass because we can crowd the paint, and then we cover the first two or three passes, and it's that fourth pass that Miami has to make that they make, and they destroy us. That mm -hmm. corner, and they always shoot the corner three-pointer. Julius Randle, horrendous. Horrendous on the coverage for that last play. That last, what do you call that play in basketball? That, like, in football, it's called the uh, the last option. It's like the last option in the, in the, in the whole entire play. I don't know if there's a net. I don't know if there's a Oh, look who it is! <laughs> <laughs> He got off his pillow, got off his ass, and tuned into the live late at night. Let's go. But uh, <laughs> uh, another guy I'm forgetting, 
Max Struess, 17 points tonight. But so the Knicks went into halftime uh, 51 to 54. They were down. Third quarter, Jalen Brunson started to get going, but I saw the Heat the majority of that second half in a 2-3 zone. And I'm not going to lie, I was pulling my hair out at the stupidity of the Knicks offense. Every time they put someone in the high post or in the middle of the floor, they would get a good shot, like whether it was an open three or like a guy cutting on the baseline. But when they just wanted to stand around at the three-point line and R.J. Barrett or someone's trying to dribble by the zone or just get one screen, like, and they're not moving the ball side to side, it's just Julius Randle especially does not look up quick enough. He's no. he's missing guys wide open, like not even cross court passes or out of the post. Literally just dribbling at the top, and he's not keep leaving his uh, putting his head up. Am I the only one that's seeing that? No, but that again, that's been happening all season. And all ball, shot the all ball. He was saying that he was like, he wants the movement, the ball movement, and we need to run, run an offensive offensive set. I'm like, when are you? When the hell do you think we're gonna get that? That's not our offense. Our offense is one on one, and really. It's predicated on going to the basket or getting those those short rebounds so we can allow Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart to get the offensive rebound and extend the play. I keep telling y'all the same thing. Tom Thibodeau runs his 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 game management is that of like a Bill Parcells defense, a super defensive football mm. team where you drain the clock with the offense. They run the ball in football. Well, in basketball, if you get these if you get an offensive rebound like Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart, guess what? You went from having a shot clock of 24, uh, 24 seconds, now you have your possession at like 30 to 38 seconds at a time. So you get five to ten of those a game, it changes everything. And now you play intense defense, now you have a grueling, low-paced game. But you're not going to get Julius Randle reading the defense out, out, beautifully out of nowhere. Not going to happen, bro. Well, I will say... Even though there were times where he was missing the open man, there were also times where he hit in the open man just a little bit late, and Josh Hart was able to knock down a couple threes. Jalen Brunson had, I think, he was 5 for 7 in the third quarter, so he woke up, also hitting the mid-range as he always does. Um, Quinton Grimes actually ended up closing this game yeah. instead of R.J. Barrett. That was something that he was asked about, and Tibbs said he liked the defensive look. I think eventually Miami started coming back down to earth, but there was a time in that fourth quarter where I thought you were going to lose for a second because Caleb Martin was just making threes, making plays. Max Strews hit a left-wing three. I mean, they were just hitting. Bam Adebayo only shot 10 times, but he was doing a good job with his you know, court vision and stuff like that. But Caleb Martin, 22 points in the game, led the way for the Heat. But I'm, I'm not, Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm not impressed with Bam Adebayo. Like, he, he, he has the motor of a you – know, are you hearing me well? Yeah, I hear you perfectly. Okay, good. Um, Bam his motor is not like he should be a number one guy. He can yeah. easily do whatever the hell he wants to do, and he kind of plays in the flow in the offense, and that's great. You always want your star to do that, but you also want your star to like play like a star. And luckily, he doesn't do that because he would kill us. He would kill us. But the other thing is, we didn't play RJ Barrett at the end of the game for the last six minutes. We went on a twenty-one to seven run. And that was my thing with, with uh, what I was trying to say in the all-ball. He loved the fact that R.J. Barrett started and, you know, he scored 16 points. Where would we have been? And my thing was, well, what if we started the game with Grimes and we and we had a 21-7 run then? Like, pick your poison. So, I've always said R.J. Barrett and Randall don't mix. Like, that decision has to be made. 
And if it's you, don't, you don't think they can play together? No, bro. They sat Randall down in the cast at, 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 at one of these fourth quarters. Before he went down. But he wasn't playing that well. I mean, in this game, what? Let's see what he was. He was, hey, he had 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. That's crazy, man. Three turnovers only. 8 for 18 from the field. The 3 for 9 from 3 he can do without. I mean, 50% of your shots should not be threes. He's not as good of a three-point shooter to be doing that. No, and it, but it's something to figure out with uh with Randall and R.J. Barrett because he was getting R.J. Barrett open. It's just hard for them. To, like, they're slow, methodical guys, and they're not, again, they're not super elite one-on-one players. players. Yeah. Play, or playmakers, like, Randall's game is just clunky. R.J. Barrett doesn't play low IQ. If R.J. Barrett had Randall's body, he could possibly be a top five guy in the league. Like, R.J. Barrett has that confidence. Top five? You think so? Bro, Randall's... Like, people sleep on Randall, bro. He plays every game. He's only recently gotten into, like, his injury trouble. And he's a monster. He can he can have a handle. If he had the IQ of a Barrett, Barrett plays with a better IQ. He's just... He's not built like that. But, you know... It just is what it is. We won the game. Am I worried? You gotta be worried because yo, the Heat. I know we said we were gonna sweep them. I know I said we were gonna sweep them. But they like yo, that is what that is the the adjustment supposed to make from the beginning of the series. We're gonna crowd that paint and we're not giving up the rebounding edge. They got Mitchell Robinson in foul trouble early. Now they took off your best offensive rebound, and now what? Harden gets to play more minutes. You only incredible fourth quarter, by the way. I was just about to say that you had only three more offensive rebounds than them, but you still out rebounded them on the offensive glass, nonetheless. And on the overall glass game, let's see, it was thirty-four to fifty in favor of you guys. Isaiah Hardenstein, shout out to him, former Clipper. Amazing fourth quarter. Hustle plays, going for loose balls, hitting that little push shot, uh, rebounding. Big time fourth quarter by Isaiah. Shout out to the Super Chat, Idea86. But also Jalen Brunson, another big second half, man. What more can you say about this guy? Jalen Brunson had seven points at halftime, so he scored 23 in the second half. He went off. That's what he paid him for because he's not the guy that, again, he was pushing the ball up, and he's not really going to get the ball going energized like that. He's a one-on-one guy, and he needs that energy or the momentum to get the shot that he wants. Um, I don't see him being, again, the difference between him, him and Trey Young is like Trey Young's passing. Like Trey Young's vision is insane, and then the execution of his passes. Brunson doesn't have that, but he has that step-back shot, and he has the resilience. He just came out there and really, that's, part of our leadership but again it's not all him it's not all Randall it's the collection of the team IQ I'm still disappointed in you IQ he started finally hitting two floaters by the way he got to the paint and he had he hit those two floaters but we gotta see more of that we gotta see more of that Josh Hart came up big huge three pointers with the two corner threes and that offensive rebound he got where he missed it short that was just all willpower right there I wanted more and athleticism of course but wow what a performance. Ever since he was on the Pelicans, I saw his rebound. Because he's the kind of guy that you see the rookies in the Lakers, and you go, he's clearly talented. But, like, what is he going to be? He's going to be a scorer. And he chose his path as, like, just this energy guy. Super rebounder as a, as a you know, six foot, what, six foot six, six foot seven guy? What, Josh Hart is six five. Six five. So, I mean, we don't expect him to be Barkley. 
But he's just impactful. 6'4". He's, he's listed at 6'4 on ESPN. That's crazy. He's impactful enough to, you know, to just do this. But the one thing he has to do is never, like, anytime he crosses half court while bringing the ball up, it scares the hell out of him. Because he attempts to go to the basket and he rips him every time. It's hilarious. Or he misses the layup. Tunnel vision for Relax. sure. Tunnel vision yeah. for sure. Um, let's read some of the lines for Miami. Only a nine-man rotation for them. Cody Zeller in that zone. He only played seven minutes, two points. Again, got nothing much to say about him. Haywood Highsmith played 15 minutes, five points, two for three. Again, nothing much to say about him. I was watching this game from a Knicks perspective, Knicks fan, because it was they. It was a must-win for them. Um, how about Kyle Lowry? 31 minutes. It wasn't the same kind of game for him as game one. Just six points, four boards, six assists on three for nine shooting and 0 for four from deep. The one thing I also think that was keeping the heat in the game, they only turned the ball over six times. You guys turned the ball over 10 times, so you weren't terrible turning the ball over, but gave them no, a couple extra. I'm not thinking our points off turnovers were major, though. I think we had 23 to their 10. You well, see that there? Or? Let me check. Points off turnovers. 22 to 9 in favor of the Knicks. Yes. Okay. So that's so, good. Right. But, the, but Kyle Lowry, again, he still was efficient. I wouldn't expect him to have a 2010 game. He was thir- just, is he efficient? He shot 33% from the field and 0% from three. Yeah, but they were in the game, bro. Like, it wasn't like he was making bad decisions. He I feel you. Pesky. He was being um, the normal Kyle Lowry. I'm dirty. He's a dirty player. He dragged down Julius Randle at one point with an arm bar. Julius Randle just sat on him. I was proud of him. Okay, get dirty back with him. Um, but that's, again, Miami has that monster, man. And Jimmy Butler, we got to salute him. Because he came in the garden talking that ish with slippers on. Pointing to the crowd at the end of the game like, I'm going to see you back when we get back here. We get back to the garden. I love him. You got to respect the guy like that, man. You got to respect the villain. Absolutely. Max Struess. 17 points, 7 for 12 from the field, and 3 for 7 from deep. Really solid game from Struess. Duncan Robinson, 9 points. He played 21 minutes, actually. 3 for 8 from deep. What would you say? Big three-pointer three in the corner. He's hit over Randall, I believe. Yeah, late in the game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, when, when Randall yeah, when, yeah. When Randall stepped over the line out of bounds. Right before that, we were up. 108, it was 108 to 100. So I think it was one, 102 to 108, but it was just one, yeah. 100 to 108 a second before that. But it was when Josh Hart was shooting the free throws and all balls like, we got this wrapped up. I said, bro, it's only a two-possession game with like 40 seconds left and Julius Randle's on the court. No. <laughs> like, please, we need a three-possession game at this point. Yeah. Duncan Robinson, three for eight from three, nine points. Not much there. Except for the late three, three for eight from deep. Uh, and then Caleb, uh, let's go with Caleb Martin. Actually, no, Kevin Love. Played 24 minutes, 8.6 boards, just two for nine from the field and two for eight from three. So not really the same kind of game for Love as he had in game one. They got him out of there, and which was weird because, again, he's older. That's not weird. He, he is older. But that's the thing about Spolster, man. We were just talking about the greatest coaches of all time, and we were comparing, like, they were saying Steve Kerr, he's top five. I'm like, no, he's not top. I wouldn't say he's top five, dude. Right, right. How, how can he be top five ever if he's not even top five now? Because he's definitely not, a, not above Spolstra. Spolstra is amazing. He is amazing. Amazing. He said, Kevin Love, you ain't got it tonight? Sit down. No ego, no nothing. Sit down. That's the move. Kyle Lowry go in there. Caleb Martin go in there. He's, yo, 
I'd pay. Wouldn't you pay him $100 million to go coach your team? $100? $100 million. Oh, yeah. For five years for, for like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You need that guy there. You need that guy there. Caleb, Caleb Martin. Another amazing performance. It feels like every single game of the playoffs, this guy has played well. So active, really athletic, and he's knocking down the three ball with a lot of consistency. 22 points and eight rebounds for him. Eight for 15 from the field. Four for eight from three. 50%. I mean, amazing. And then Bam Adebayo, only 10 shot attempts. You would expect him to take more if you're a Heat fan. 15 points, eight boards, six assists. Definitely want him to take more shots than that. Uh, just one block. Then Gabe Vincent, another really solid game for him. 21 points, 5 assists, no turnovers, 7 for 17 from the field, but just 33% from 3, um, 4 for 12. As for, was, yes? Was Gabe Vincent the guy that hit the 2-3 stand? Or, I think no, so. I believe. Lamar is a little taller than him. Yeah. Gabe Vincent and who's the other guy? Another point guard or guard, combo guard. See, I confuse the hell out of him. I'm like, who the hell is high, high hand? Hi, Hi Smith. Hi Smith. Never heard him before in my life. Never heard him before. What are we talking about right now? But well, he came in and did his thing. I'm sorry. I was here for No problem. As for the Knicks, who won 111 to 105, they shot 45% from the field, 40% from three, 16 for 40. Heat shot nine more threes, only made one more, though. 35% from three for them. So it looks like the Heat are trying to take a lot of threes in this series. Um, the Knicks shot 30 free throws, Heat only 17. Both shot 70%. Uh, Knicks actually, I'm sorry, Heat shot 71% if you want a round. But 21 for 30 for New York, 12 for 17 for Miami. Knicks played a nine-man rotation with quickly getting the least amount of minutes. Three for seven from the field, six points. What did you think of uh, IQ not getting that many minutes? Uh, he got to earn them. I'm surprised Topper didn't get less minutes. I thought he would have finished with the least amount of minutes. He had 10. 10. 0, 0 for 2, 0 points. So not without with Julius Randle back in the lineup. Not much burn for Obi Toppin. Quickly still hasn't had a nuclear game in these playoffs. He, he has not showed up at all. Played first Cleveland and first of Miami. Are they, is it because they got orientated? Is it because he's not that guy? He's scared in the lights right now? I'm not sure. I know Jerry Allen admit, admitted himself that he was uh, scared of the lights in the first round for the Cavaliers. So it is a real thing. But IQ, he, we, have, we need him to be IQ. That's the reason why... We had our, our next man up mentality. He's a part of that. Um, going back to the free throw for um, the free throw disparity, we were fourth in the league in free throws attempted anyway. So that's not shocking. Or third behind the Lakers, and I want to say either Atlanta or Detroit for the season. So that's not a shocker. But we just suck at making free throws. And by the way, again, kudos to Julius Randle. If I'm not mistaken, he didn't miss one free throw. Yeah, he's, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Twenty-one minutes, Mitchell Robinson. He was in foul trouble, as you said. Six points, five rebounds, only two for three from the field, and didn't even have a block. Do you think he was rendered ineffective tonight? Because of the, uh, the early foul trouble. Yeah. He had his fourth foul in the third quarter as well, so that kind of like, yeah, that, that messed him up. Quinton Grimes, 26 minutes, three points, three boards, one block, one for three from the field, and 0 for two from deep. But I think he's, his impact did not go in the stat sheet. I think he played good defense in that second half. I thought he was as well, and, I, and again, um, he also energized the rock, energized the play. He had one bad pass off of a second chance uh, offensive rebound we had 
But for the most part, again, there's something to getting rid of that ball as quickly as possible and making the right decision on offense. And I don't know, for whatever reason, R.J. Barrett and Randall just weren't doing that, but they, he was a part of the 21-7 run in the fourth quarter. Yes, sir. And then Isaiah Hartenstein, 26 minutes, yes. three points, nine rebounds, a steal and a block, four offensive rebounds. Amazing impact in this game. Huge. Love to see that from Isaiah. Not surprised one bit. Um, and the Garden crowd gave him the appreciation. Josh Hart, 33 minutes played, 14 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists. Just one assist away from a triple-double. One steal. What a game from Josh Hart. One offensive rebound, that big one we referenced earlier from that corner. Three miss. Four for 11 from the field, but he made two out of his four threes. Huge game from Josh Hart. I hope his back is all right because he landed on his back. Mm. Or strained his back on a play. Forgot who, who uh, was trying to steal the ball from him. Maybe Kyle Lowry, that dirty bastard. But Josh Hart hurt his back. He, shot the, he, he missed one free throw. Um, just he's just Josh Hart, bro. When we initially when we traded for him, I was a bit skeptical. Like I said on the live earlier, because he's a part of the Leon Rose family tree. You know that was the Villanova got cat along with Jalen Brunson. Um, but hopefully it will lead to getting in the Kale Bridges or something like that because he's clearly been a super addition. Like, he's – when you sign Tom Thibodeau, get the players that fit his mold, fit his system. Mm-hmm. Josh Hart is perfect for that system, bro. How many more offensive rebounds does he have to get to prove us to anybody? He's starting finally like he should have been a long time ago. And he's a New York – he fits the, that New York character. Yep, absolutely does. R.J. Barrett didn't play the end of the game, but 24 points. Another efficient game, another 20-plus point game. You're getting what you need in that scoring department from R.J. ever since Game 3 of that Cavs series. 8 for 17 from the field and a very efficient 5 for 9 from deep. Yeah, so that was, that was shocking. He was on fire. Um, and just a great call by Tibbs to sit him down. Because at the end of the day, if there's anything R.J. Barrett has proven as a Knicks, he's super clutch, bro. He's super clutch. So it's tough to sit him down. I know uh, Tibble did the same thing with, with Randall, like I mentioned in the past in a, in a previous series. But come on now. It has to be tough to sit down R.J. Barrett. Sorry for the noise. To sit down R.J. Barrett after 16 points in the first quarter, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Just amazing. Julius Randle. 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Overall, big impact. Needed him. 8 for 18 from the field, 3 for 9 from deep. As I said, I don't like the threes as much. I think he cut those down. 6 for 6 from the line. He should move the ball quicker, but overall, big impact. And then my player of the game, Jalen Brunson. Again, 30 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. He was a plus 12. 10 for 19 from the field. 60% from 3, 6 for 10. 4 for 4 from the line. The Knicks win it, 111-105. to 105. Final takeaways. You know it's going to be big time. We got a box out Jimmy Butler because he, I thought he led the, the first game of rebounder, but Mitchell Robinson had 14. If I'm not mistaken, the second leading rebounder was Jimmy Butler. He's just a winner. Like, they said we have to go rebound more because that's what the Knicks do. And they went out and did it. He's going to be the guy that leads them. He's in the middle of the game just talking to them while on the sideline, like another coach out there. Just the way that they, that, that 
organization is ran from the head coach down to the talk man. That is, is just dope to watch. Um, I like that we won. We showed resiliency. I like that we showed some some in-game, you know, strategy, some in-game adjustment by Tom Thibodeau. Uh, it's going to be a slugfest. Even if we win, even if whoever wins, it, whether it's five games or seven games now, it's going to be it's tough. Every possession is grueling. I love it. Well, I'm going to go with, I mean, I already said Nixon seven before the series started. If I had to change my pick right now, I would go with Heat in six, but I'm going to stick with Nixon seven for the people. But the Heat is, it's really to me about, obviously if Jimmy plays, but mainly can the Heat supporting cast continue this? That's the main thing that I'm questioning. Right. But anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us. Please let me know what you thought. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace.